Hi, everybody. It's Matt from Discover College Soccer. I hope you're enjoying the podcast, whether that's on YouTube or your favorite podcast platform. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button. I also wanted to let you know about the Discover College Soccer Study Table. This is our brand new online portal that is complete with a 14-part online course giving you all of the ins and outs of the college soccer recruiting process. There's also a wealth of resources such as checklists, templates, there's the spreadsheets that have every soccer program in the country along with their coaches, their contact information, their social media information, uh, some basic stats about the school and more. Plus there's an online community where you can ask your questions, share your wins, your losses, any questions that you may have around the college soccer recruiting process. It's all there at the Discover College Soccer study table that you can find at discovercollegesoccer.com slash study table and hopefully we will see you there. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Discover College Soccer. Today, I'm lucky enough to be joined by Coach Douglas at Point University in Georgia. Welcome, Coach. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for being here. You guys are, you're in the other West Point, right? West Point, Georgia, not 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 up in up in New York. Uh, so you've, we're talking here, end of November, wrapped up the season. I'm guessing you're hitting the, the recruiting trail hot and heavy at this point. So can you tell me kind of what is your normal calendar look like, you know, the in a recruiting cycle? I mean, are you looking at 24s right now? Is that wrapped up and you're looking at 25s? Kind of where do you guys kind of fall in that in your time frame? Yeah, I think every year is a little bit different, just kind of given the landscape of what we've been going through the last few years with the extra year that that some of the players have taken advantage of. So it's it's kind of had an impact. But typically, you know, what we're doing is – Sometime in the middle of October, I will start arranging my my recruiting calendar for, you know, which which basically would start maybe the last couple of weeks of October going to some club games on weekends. Um, if we play Saturday, then I'm trying to hit something on Sunday and then looking at showcases. Um, if we don't happen to make a postseason tournament, then, you know, you know, that's sad, but at the same time, that does give me some ample opportunity to to be at some places some other coaches aren't going to be at. And um, so typically November is is really busy. Uh, the beginning of December is is busy. And then, you know, we we there is a break from looking at players, I guess, in the month of December, but we're still um, contacting and, and being in contact with them. And then we'll pick back up um, just at the end of the year or first of the year with DPL and, and some other things. And um, we'll organize our own um, preview days or, you know, ID days or whatever you want to call them where we've got um, those that have not signed or committed that want to play that maybe haven't been discovered yet. Um, we'll give them an opportunity to come in and show what they can do. And then typically when we get to the month of February, I should be, if I'm not like finished, I should be in that final phase of like completing the roster um, with any JUCO transfers that we've been talking to, any internationals that we've been talking to, uh, any of the domestic kids that, you know, have, have already kind of finished things up. So by the, by the time we get to middle to late February, um, 
we're we're done for that particular year and then we start shifting our focus on okay what's this next class look at and we're not NCAA division 1 or a high level of 2 so i know that those programs a lot of times are are 2 years out i would say that we're we're still current in our you know with this senior class coming up um and then you know with always an eye on the future looking at 25s but we do have some contacts with 26, um, but it's, it's few. Yeah. So. Okay. Makes sense. Well, and you mentioned your ID camp uh, that you guys try to do Do you, your staff work other ID camps and, and how, I guess, how integral to the recruiting process do you see camps being? Yeah. I think that uh, I try to get involved with as many that I think are legitimately going to give me some prospects um, whether that's at a one of the clubs here in the Atlanta area, or um, if it's a um, you know it's bringing in different players um, that are like I said before have not been signed, have not committed, still want to play. Um, if, if there's some of those out there and their position that we're still looking at, you know, I'll I'll sign myself up for it. Um, we're not going to every one of them, but if it's you know, definitely if it's uh, advantageous for us, if there's players there that we are have been in contact with or we want to be in contact with, we're definitely going to sign up for it. And I think the the good thing about those is that we can start a rapport with some of these players if we're uh, in charge of a, a session or if they're rotating a session in. Like I may be placed with a, pl- a coach from UAB uh, and then I may be placed with a coach from um, – you know, Troy state or something like that, where we're, we don't normally bump heads and, and they're looking for a certain player and we're looking for a different type of player. So it usually works out. They're not usually putting us in with, you know, our conference opponents <laughs> that we, we see day in and day out basically. Right. No, that makes sense. And, and earlier you mentioned, you know, going to these showcases and events. So are, are there ones that are kind of the top of your list must see every year or, or where, where do you like to go to, to look for players? Yeah, I think, I think right now for us, you know, if we're not going to find the, the Juco transfer players that we feel like can come in and make an impact, then we, we have to start, you know, looking at, you know, things like DPL, um, sometimes ECNL, it just kind of depends on if we've got good contacts or not, because a lot of times they don't know what the NAIA is and they kind of like, they, they're not steering clear of it. They're just not aware of it. And it's kind of hard to be in a place where, you know, that there's 30 to 40 NCAA division one coaches that, you know, those players and parents are there for that reason. And for me to be there, um, sometimes it gets lost in the shuffle and, uh, I, I really need to have someone that I've got a good relationship already. If I'm going to do a, a tournament or a showcase like that, where I know I'm going up against a lot of schools that are, you know, in, in the sun, you know, I'm not sun conference, but in, um, uh, what, a, uh, what I'm trying to think is sun Belt conference. Oh, sorry. um, or, um, you know, one of those, that are not far from here that, you know, they're not SEC or ACC, but they're, you know, they, they're in a division one conference that I just don't really have a good chance at getting those players. So we try to focus on 
what's the most bang for our buck. No, makes a lot of sense. Well, in terms of whether it's at an event or an ID camp or, or tournament, whatever it is, kind of what makes up the hierarchy of things you're looking for in a player, both on the field and off the field stuff? Yeah, I think, you know, on on field stuff that we're looking at, like a lot of other coaches are their ability, you know, with their first touch, their movement off the ball. Um, how, how communicative are they? Uh, are they making themselves, you know, if they have possession of the ball, are they making the right decisions? Uh, how quickly are they making those decisions? Uh, if they do get their ball taken for some reason, are are they someone that is going to, um, you know, just kind of let it happen? Or are they going to like try to go after it, you know, and, and, and uh, make an effort, you know, in, in every, you know, uh, legally to get that thing back. Um, so, I think first touch is is probably the the most prominent thing, and then their ability to possess and their ability to be uh, threatening when they have possession. Okay. Well, you mentioned JUCO uh, and, and transfers and international. So, so where does that fit into all of your recruiting? And and you know, has the transfer portal kind of changed the way you look at things or, or how important is that component in your? Yeah, I think, I think what has changed with us um, is that we had been in the Appalachian athletic conference um, from 2012 through the end of the 2022, 23 school year. Then, you know, we were, we were moved into the Southern States athletic conference starting this school year and we're behind and I, I don't, there's no way to hide behind, you know, what our record was. Um, there's reasons for it, but a lot of it have to do with that. We're, we're not up to speed definitely with the top tier of that conference. And, and not a lot of, play, you know, not a lot of teams are because not a lot of conference can say that they've got, you know, three of the final eight. And that's what our conference is um, with life and William Carey and UT Southern. Those, those are all elite teams in our conference and they're elite teams in the nation. So um, that's what we're up against. Now we had not been up against that in our old conference. Our, our top two teams would definitely be top 25. Some sometimes getting as high as maybe 15 to 18, but generally that's kind of where they landed and in our matches with them, yes, they were probably a little bit better than us, you know, but we felt like we were competitive. Um, we got into this conference and we we saw quickly that we're we're miles away. And for us to get into the into the game, um, we're going to have to have some ready players that we we don't have to wait on for two years to develop. So that's why, you know, I'm looking at least for now at what's available out there um, in the junior colleges of of good programs that are in good um, conferences that are doing well. And then are these players their main players? Because if they're just at those schools and they're, you know, just on a roster, that's probably not going to help us. I need I need starters or impact players in good JUCO conferences that that's going to translate into coming into here and being able to hold their own. Okay. Makes sense. Well, let's talk a little bit more about the school. Um, like I say, you're there in, in, in West Point, Georgia. Um, you've been there for a number of years now. So, so kind of tell me what are the things that keep you there? What are the great things you, you find about the school and, 
and things that maybe we wouldn't even know just by going through the website? Okay. Well, I started the program in 2001. I got to the school in 2000. We were in East Point, Georgia at the time, and we were known as Atlanta Christian College. So we were National Christian College Athletic Association only, and it was Division II with no scholarships. And I coached both the men's and the women's program the whole time that I was there and before we moved. And then the first year that we moved down to West Point was the 2012-13 school year. And I still coached both, but it was you know, I, I had already made that clear to my bosses and CEOs and CFOs that that's probably not going to work after that first year. And, and they saw that it was, you know, you've got to recruit for both teams. You've got to monitor both teams. You've got to, so they, they saw that that was going to be the way we need. So I, I went with the women's team. Um, I, I thought that would be better for me. Um, it's, and whoever was coming in to coach the men would have a better, I think, opportunity because it's it's a little bit easier to get guys in, to be honest with you, than it is women's, um, you know, program players. So um, what keeps me around here is, I think, just the staff and the support that the school gives us. Um, you know, it's um, I, I've, I've been at other schools before, but I, I really feel like we're valued as coaches um, by the administration. We're valued by, um, you know, the leadership. Um, I think they they realize that without athletics, um, you know, the school would not, you know, be as um, viable, I guess, as an option. So, um, you know, that, that kind of is what keeps me around. Um, also, just, you know, I, I enjoy watching a team grow. Uh, and even in a year like this, that was really bad. You know, I, I saw growth and it's hard to see when, when you're getting beat um, as many times as we did. But I think that, you know, I look at it as like, all right, did we improve over the last game? And if that's, you know, if, if we're taking baby steps and that's all we're asking, then that's, that's what my expectation is. And if we check that box, then fine, let's not worry about, you know, wins or losses or draws right now, those will come um, in time. And it's more of a, a, a issue of managing uh, this year than, than any other. And, and I, as, as uh, hard as it is to, to understand, I, I did enjoy watching the growth of individual players and um, seeing some players step up that probably at the beginning of the year, didn't think that they were going to be in positions they were. And uh, we had to rely on them. Okay. Well, let's walk it back a month. Like, you know, you're, let's say you're in the heart of that conference season. Um, can you take me through a, a typical week uh, for a player in terms of when's practice classes, yeah. game schedule, yeah. that kind of thing? So we'll, we'll start on Monday and obviously they're going to have, you know, their classes or labs or whatever they, they have on Monday. And then um, we share the, the field space with uh, not only the men's team, but the city of West Point. And so um, on, on certain days, um, everybody has to be off the field by like a certain time. So we can only get one team in on the afternoon. We have a natural grass surface. So it's, it's not really um, uh, plausible for us to have a morning practice because it would just tear up the field. So um, only one team can be on in the afternoon on Mondays, Tuesdays, and Thursdays. So we we traditionally give the girls the opportunity to study and to 
get caught up on everything that is given to them on Monday. And um, they have all afternoon long to get that done. And then we have practice at night. And then Tuesday rolls around and we're on in the afternoon. So 3.45 to 5.30 is, is our time on the field. Um, Wednesday, if we have a match, then we're getting ready for that and, and either going or coming, uh, or going or hosting. And then if we're, if we're practicing, we're, we're on right after the men are off. And then Thursday we're on in the afternoon and then Friday, um, we don't have classes, uh, uh, at point on Friday. It's either a, you either have a Tuesday, Thursday class or a Monday, Wednesday class. So Friday is off because of all the travel that is necessitated out of the athletic schedules between football and and us and baseball and softball and basketball. So generally um, they give a, they, they, they decided probably about four years ago to go to this, um, this calendar and it's, and it's worked out well for us. We don't miss as many classes and the students um, seem to enjoy only going to school four days a week instead of five. So um, what happens on Fridays is that we'll practice at 11 a.m. We'll be done at 1230. Um, players can go straight to the calf, get their lunch in, and then they have the rest of Friday off. I think the men come on at like one o'clock and then they're done by like three. And then uh, we're either getting ready to leave on Friday night if it's an away trip that we're going to stay over or if it's an away game that we don't have to stay over, we'll get ready and leave Saturday morning. If we're hosting on Saturday, um, you know, it's usually going to be a double with the men, and that could either be 12 and 2.30, 1, 3.30. Uh, it just kind of depends. So, uh, But usually we're playing two matches a week. Um, when, when that match on Saturday is over, our players know that we will not be getting together again until Monday night. So they can get um, home um, at a, hopefully at a decent hour on Saturday. Uh, if they want to drive to their house, um, you know, that's, that's all up to them if they're within driving distance, which a lot of our players are. Um, and that gives them an opportunity to go home, do laundry, get lunch, go to church, whatever. What, what, and then, you know, they're usually coming back Sunday night. We, we don't have any meetings on Sunday. We don't have any practice on Sunday. We give that completely day off for them to kind of, um, you know, get recharged a bit and for me too. And so, when Monday rolls around, the, the good thing is that we we don't have anything until night. So we can kind of slide into Monday a little bit. And I can use Monday a lot of times in the mornings and early afternoon to focus on uh, on recruiting. Okay, awesome. Well, let's talk a little bit more about the team. I mean, we did talk recruiting, but is there is there a roster number that you find is ideal that you're trying to hit? Well, we we have uh, a goal of 30. Um, that goal has been given to us by the administration, and they feel like for us to sustain what we've got as far as a, a program and um, the budget, you know, is set up for that. If we if we fall below it, it's usually not a big deal uh, as long as it's like one or two. Uh, if we happen to go over, then it's it's actually a little bit better because um, we can we can extend some things and um, it gives us uh, an opportunity to um, have some reserve games, um, you know, because if you're if you're going to carry 34, which a lot of times we're right around that number, uh, generally speaking, 17 or 18 players are going to see varsity minutes on a regular basis, which means that you've got another group of 15 to 16 players that 
might get in here and there, but aren't getting what they came to, you know, as far as playing goes. And so we provide for them opportunities to play other reserve college teams, uh, club teams, uh, or, or, or club teams at colleges that maybe don't have soccer or they do have a soccer team, but they also have a club team as well. Like Auburn, UAB, these teams have, um, you know, proper, you know, you know, number one teams that are varsity that, you know, we're not going to play them, but um, they also have a club team, which is made up of players that, you know, you know, played a high level of, of club and soccer. I mean, in high school or at, at, at the youth level, um, and they just happen to be at that school, but they're not on the varsity team, but they enjoy the sport. And so they get together and put a form a team and they'll contact us and say, Hey, can we get a game? And and usually we will try to schedule six to eight reserve games in the fall to go along with our varsity schedule. So it stays pretty busy, but as long as we're staffed properly, I've got an assistant coach, a grad assistant, you know, we can, we can get it handled. Okay. Well, and I was going to ask about the staff, but you, you told me there. So, how about you though, specifically, uh, what's your coaching style? What, what do you hope to impart on the players there, uh, as, as the head gaffer? Yeah. Um, I think, um, as I get older, um, you know, some of the, some of the things that I thought maybe were maybe a bit were important when I was younger, aren't, I don't see them as important anymore, but one thing that doesn't go away is that, um, you know, we, we have to have good chemistry. Uh, we have to be able to get along. Um, we have to have mutual respect. So it's it's the idea of bringing players in with the idea of getting, you know, close camaraderie early on. And then let's let's work together towards this goal. Um, you know, it's never perfect. Um, but, you know, I've been I've been happy with, you know, the the progress that we've made in those areas each year, even, even if a year has not been like what we would want it to be on, on our record, at least I can say that, okay, you know, for the most part, we get along now, obviously there's individual challenges and and things like that, that go on all the time, but we, we really try to stress a family type structure. And that's one thing that our recruits, when they come in, they were, they remarked to me, like, I felt very welcomed. I felt like this was a family atmosphere, uh, and this this is a place that I am considering. And I will hear that when they come to visit. So it's really important for us when I'm talking to recruits to get them on campus because I can do only so much as far as sales go. But if they can see my players and how well they get along and 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 kind of the fun that they have in training and in the playing, but at the same time, it's, it is business. Um, I think that speaks very well of us as a as a team. And um, it, it's very inviting, you know, for players that that are looking for, you know, an option of where they felt like they're going to be taken care of. So uh, now the X's and O's type things, it, it, it really is dependent on what personnel we have. You know, I love a three, five, two, if it's played right. Um, and if you've got the personnel to run it, but if you don't, um, it could be super disastrous. And um, so if, if it's a default, you know, we're probably going to be looking at like a, you're just garden variety four, four, two. Um, we haven't had a ton of luck, at least in my two or three years that I've, 
I've thought about playing a 4-3-3, having the right personnel in in the midfield. Like we may have had three forwards I felt like could do the job and maybe four backs that could do the job. But I at, at some point in time, you've got to have all those levels um, on the same page. And if you don't, then, you know, it's going to put stress on the backs. And, um, you know, I, I, I typically will like to try to find the players that will fit what we want to do in a three, five, two. And if I can't, then we have to kind of like, look at, okay, this is not working. Um, maybe we can't go through the midfield as much as I'd like. Maybe we're going to become more direct. So it just really is dependent on what players we get in. Okay. Well, you've been generous with your time. Don't want to keep you, but I do want to ask you one last question. And that is, if you had one piece of advice that you wish every player going through this process would know, what would that be? Uh, just to to make sure that they are keeping their options open and not be close-minded um, towards um, schools that they may have never heard of before. Because at the, at the end of the day, um, you know, you, you have to look at, if you have have played since you were five or six years old and you get to the age of 16 and North Carolina, Florida State, you know, these these schools are not contacting you. It's not over. You, you still have options out there and your options may not be ones that you've even thought of. It could be a school that's within 30 minutes of you that you didn't even realize had a, had a program and they've got the math, uh, they've got the, the academic program that you need. So my piece of advice is making sure that you don't close doors too early. Couldn't agree more coach. Well, Hey, I appreciate the time. Best of luck no in all these recruiting uh, events you're going to be at. And if you get down uh, to Lakewood ranch, Bradenton area, give me a shout. All right. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate you. Thank you. All right. Have a good one. The Discover College Soccer Podcast is sponsored by VO. VO is the number one AI camera solution helping players capture college recruitment videos. Check out their new starter and family options by clicking on the link in the description or visit Discover College Soccer to learn more.